Saturday. Saturday, I was down on Torquay Seafront, quite near where we live. And I was hoping I might be able to borrow a palm branch <laughs> in honour of Palm Sunday. I wasn't really thinking of one of these floppy things that are all over Torpay and many other town centres. Uh, I wasn't thinking of one of those. They're too, too a penny, aren't they? Um, I was thinking of one of those palm branches that you can get off a date palm. Has anyone got a date palm in their garden? Uh, they're quite rare. But there are some massive ones on Torquay Seafront, aren't there? I've got a picture of a date palm. Lynn, can you? Oh, oh yes. That's in Torquay. I saw that one and I was looking all around that one thinking, how oh, can I get one of those branches? <laughs> Actually, you cannot pull off one of those branches. You need a saw. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'd better not walk around Torquay Seafront with a saw. I might, I might get arrested and you'll see me on the front of the Herald Express. So I thought, better not. So, sorry, I didn't manage to bring one today. The event, the happening, that we now call Palm Sunday, is recorded in all four Gospels. <coughs> as is the death of Jesus. All four of the Gospels you'll find the Palm Sunday story. But I've chosen to look at it today in the Gospel of John. And you'll find it in John 12. <coughs> the important thing about John's version of Palm Sunday is that he links it totally with the raising of Lazarus. Yeah from the dead. And he knew that that miracle, he remembered that that particular miracle of Jesus uh, excited the crowd. There was a crowd in Jerusalem. They were there swelling the city because of course it was soon to be the Passover, the Passover feast which every Jew gets very, very excited about. It's a special time when they remember the exodus, coming out of Egypt, coming out of exile, coming out of oppression. Passover for them was so important. It is still very important in the Jewish mind. So because of that miracle that Jesus did, there must have been rumours buzzing around Jerusalem, all around, about his this man's amazing power. Many people must have wondered then, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the one that was to come? Is he the anointed? And the Gospelist John, of course, was there. He was there at the time when Lazarus walked out of his tomb. He remembered that moment of <coughs> silence. <laughs> the risen Lazarus came out of darkness. He remembered that moment when Jesus stood outside the tomb and shouted, Lazarus, come out. He remembered the silence after that. He remembered Lazarus coming out alive and the same man 
known and loved by his family and friends. He remembered. And John's soul must have been stunned, <coughs> stunned and silenced. And he knew then, this is the Messiah. Might Jesus be calling any of us out of a, a tomb, out of a dark place? Have you heard his voice yet? Are you hearing his voice now? Is he coming and calling you out of hopelessness or hiddenness? Is he calling you out of fear? Can you hear his voice? Perhaps you can. We will pray about that voice after I finish this talk. Hold on to it. Hold on to that call. <coughs> Jesus doesn't want you in a cave or a tomb. He wants you out and living with him. Prayer ministry team, if you are going to serve today, we may have to do some calling out of darkness today. That is what we're there for. We have the authority in Jesus to do that. In his name we do that. <coughs> Let's take up his authority today to call people out of darkness. So back to John's Gospel. Before we read about Palm Sunday, I want us to read about um, a smaller, more contained event inside Mary and Martha's home the night before. Because the just risen Lazarus and Mary and Martha had invited Jesus to their home for dinner to thank him. Shall we read the story? Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, <coughs> who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had risen from the, he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests 
made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. So in Mary and Martha's home, Martha served. <coughs> Get old Martha. She knew what to do, didn't she? She just had an eye for those little things, those practical things that needed doing. Perhaps many of us ladies, or both ladies and men, we can relate to that, can't we? We can quietly see things that need to be done, and we get on with those. Not all of us. <laughs> I'm not sure I have that gifting, but there are many Marthas among us. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Martha. He knew that was her gift to him on this day. That was her gift. Her sister Mary, on the other hand, she was full of emotion at uh, Jesus being inside their humble home. This was the master that she loved, who'd rescued her brother from death, and thereby probably rescuing her and her sister from destitution. Suddenly, it felt essential for Mary, right now, that she should take and open that big jar of nard perfume that she had. Was it expensive? Oh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter, thought Mary. She knew she had to kneel down right now at Jesus' feet. She knew she had to anoint him. She knew it. He was the Messiah. She knew it. Pour out all her perfume. Don't keep any. There's no need to keep any. Pour it all out on him and show people this was the Messiah. She'll just clear it up a bit with her hair. No problem. She had to do it, and so she did. And Jesus was worshipped. And he was honoured. And everybody in that room knew it. <coughs> they knew it. They smelt that perfume. It was undeniable. He was worshipped. And John writes, the house was filled with a fragrance of the perfume. I've got a painting, actually. Oh, we've got it. Oh, halfway through, is it? Didn't come out anymore. But it is Mary at the feet of Jesus. That's where she thought she needed to be. That's actually a painting by Daniel Gerhardt, an American painter. He's still alive now. He was born in the same year that I was born. So old, must be about 25. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, this was an unembarrassed act by Mary, wasn't it? Can we, as, as Christians, can we be as grateful as Mary is? Can we be as unembarrassed in our worship? 
That's for you to decide. Is it possible for us to pour out the very last drop in the jar? Is our Jesus worth it? Is he worth us making a little bit of a fool of ourselves? Remember Rebecca's talk last Sunday about making a, a fool of ourselves for Jesus? Mary knew how to do that, didn't she? <laughs> but she was unembarrassed. She was unashamed. Jesus is worth it, isn't he? He is worth it. <laughs> well, Judas, Iscariot decided to criticise Mary for this ridiculous waste of the pure nard. He knew the price of it. He knew that was ridiculous a thing to do. This was his jealousy, I think, wasn't it? Do you feel that? I think it was his, his, his jealousy that perhaps he had that freedom to pour it out all over the, the feet of Jesus. He probably had never shown that much gratitude to Jesus himself. Perhaps it was jealousy. He wanted to get this woman in trouble with Jesus and um, perhaps hide his own um, doubts and, and mistakes that he'd already made. And Jesus sharply rebukes him. Sharply. Jesus does sharply rebuke us sometimes. We must allow him, actually. We must allow him to do that. People don't like being rebuked. Oh, it's painful. It is painful, isn't it? God has rebuked me many times. It's such a freeing thing when God rebukes us because we are brought out of our stupidity. <laughs> Often it's our foolishness. And he brings us to his feet. He says, I still love you. But those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Let us take that from Jesus, our master. Jealousy is a dangerous thing, isn't it? A dangerous poison that comes to our minds sometimes. We don't always see it coming, I'm afraid. But it's full of anger. It's full of temptation. We must stay on our guard against jealousy in our lives, wasn't we? Whether that's at work, whether that's in our homes, whether that's at church. I'm afraid many folk in churches all around have been destroyed by jealousy. It's alive and well in many churches. Let's stay on our guard. Let's stay humble and loving. So if you see, for example, a church leader apparently loving someone more than they love you, or choosing someone else more than they choose you, bless God for that person. Thank the Lord for their particular gifting. Thank the Lord for their uh, availability. Thank the Lord for them and rejoice. Rejoice in Jesus. Well, at the end of this um, incident in Mary and Martha's home, Jesus pointed out something that must have seemed a bit strange and, and out of place. 
must have jarred their ears a little. He spoke of his imminent death, saying that Mary's anointing had been and was meant to be for his funeral, for his burial. Mary herself must have been shocked to hear that, as everyone else was listening or watching. Why was he saying that? Jesus was trying to prepare them for his death. It was only a few days away, wasn't it? Only a few days away he'd be crucified. But they didn't really hear him here in Mary and Martha's house. They didn't want to. Well, there's more worship of Jesus to come as we move on to the next day's event, Palm Sunday. The crowd, remember, the crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem appeared in their massive numbers to welcome him because he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd done it. They wanted to know who was Jesus. Who was this man? They needed to see him. They needed to listen to him. So they gathered and they chose. Somebody said, let's take some palm branches. And they all went and got themselves some palm branches, many of them. Don't know where they got those from. Some of the gospels say they tore them off the trees. Well, if they're as big as my, my date palm in Talking Super, that would have been odd. Perhaps they were soaring away. Um, but they got them. And why, why date palms? Why palm branches? The date palm, apparently, was Judea's symbol of victory and triumph. So if people waved uh, palm branches, they were cheering on a leader, and patriotically showing their hopes for rescue from Rome, their awful enemy, who'd been bullying Israelites for years. They'd been bullying the Jews for years. They were just their servants, they were just their slaves, and they were bullied. So the people of Jerusalem were wondering, maybe this Jesus, maybe he could be their new champion. Maybe he would be their long-awaited Messiah. He was raising hopes in an oppressed people. They needed some good news. They needed hope. Now he was here in Jerusalem. Surprisingly, probably to the crowd, they, he was riding a donkey. Why was that? Well, they didn't mind. <laughs> they just still praised him and welcomed him. The other three Gospels go to great lengths showing that Jesus deliberately planned to organise the donkey to ride into Jerusalem on. This uh, Gospel, John, just said he found a donkey. <laughs> but Jesus, of course, knew the Old Testament and he knew that verse in Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah was one of the late prophets. He's to be found at the very end of the Old Testament. And uh, he had written these words. Do not be afraid, O daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated at a donkey's colt. 
Jesus did know that the learned Jews in that crowd would know and recognise in front of them that vision of a, a king riding on a donkey. Would they consider that blasphemous? Well, probably. But Jesus decided he was going to do it anyway. Jesus knew this was prophesied hundreds of years before. And this was the time for Jesus to fulfill that Zacharian prophecy. Perhaps not many in the crowd, not even his own disciples, understood the link with that prophecy, admits John. They didn't quite click that this was Zachariah's prophecy coming true, that Jesus was the true Messiah, arriving in Jerusalem. They were ecstatic to see him there, their new king, their champion fighter and leader. You know they shouted, Hosanna, apparently meaning save us, rescue us. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, um, Fraser read that passage from Psalm 118 at the beginning of the service. Blessed is the King of Israel. They waved their palms, cheering him on. Some of them threw their palm branches down on the ground to welcome him and to honour him, pay him homage. They were excited to see their miracle king in their midst with them. I've got two paintings of the scene, of the Palm Sunday scene. Jane is doing us one as well. How fantastic to have a live artist in our midst. Bless you, Jane, with beauty and creativity. Right, what have we got? Oh, it's getting a bit fuzzy, isn't it? But um, that's Jesus there on the donkey. I love this picture. I don't know what you think. I'll have a look at the next picture in a, in a second as well. But this one, to me, shows real worship in the crowd. Oh, it's not very clear, is it? It's real worship. Some of them are raising their arms. They were overcome by his holiness, probably. They were overcome. He was only riding the donkey. But they were touched. They saw a king. They saw his holiness. They knew that he was different. They worshipped. The second painting. Can we see uh, that one there? There we go. That shows me a frantic crowd. How about you? They look a bit frantic there. There <laughs> looks a bit of a fight going on. Um, perhaps they were just desperate to get their cloak on the ground in front of Jesus and the donkey. They wanted their cloak and their palm branch to be used. Get out of the way. I want to put my palm branch down there in front of him. Let me get my cloak there. I want to take part in this act of worship. I want him to know that I was there. That he stepped on my cloak. And he stepped on the donkey, rather. <laughs> stepped on my palm branch. They wanted to take part. Some of them, of course, were thinking of Jesus rising up as a leader and taking control of their future. They were wanting this new revelation to happen, sorry, revolution to happen soon. 
This was a political cry for freedom. I don't know if any of you remember, probably you do, the moment when, um, oh, what's the name? Nelson Mandela was freed. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. What was the year, John? 89. 89, 
But there is resurrection to come. His father told him that. There is resurrection to come. A terrible, terrible death. I really prayed that um, resurrection was to come. Because he's greater than death. He was. And he is now. He's still now greater than our death. Which means, of course, if you think about it, if he's greater than death, then he's greater than every sickness. Amen. He is greater than anything that the world throws at us. Amen. He's greater than that. If he conquered death, he's greater than anything yeah. of the world. The crowd on Palm Sunday didn't really understand what victory Jesus was really offering them. He, they didn't really get it. They wanted freedom from control of Rome. But Jesus wanted to give them freedom from sin and freedom from sickness and death. Let us stay with the humble king of peace who rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. Let us stay with him for our full freedom and for eternal life. Let us be used by him to bring others that eternal life and to bring others that healing. We can do that because Jesus did it. Jesus stood outside that horrible tomb and called out Lazarus. And he healed many, many, probably thousands of people while he was on earth. Mm -hmm. He can do it. Let's stay with him. That's the best place to be. Amen. He also called us to die with him, didn't he? Yeah. How are we to do that? Do we know what that means? I think it takes us a while to understand that. Actually, I don't feel I know what about that yet. How should I die for him? He said, uh, was it in John 14, take up your cross and follow, follow me, he said. Take it up and follow me. I believe it's only when we we do that as best we know how, that Jesus will use us powerfully. I think if we can die to ourselves, to our reputations, to our selfishness, to our, um, you know, our, our, our image to others, if we can die to that and worship Jesus much more, then he will do so much more for us. He will use us so much more. John said, or oh, the writer of this story, John said, we will do more, even greater things than Jesus did. That's a strange thought, isn't it? What on earth did he mean by that? Why did he bother to write that? He knew that Jesus could use us. And I believe there's so much more for us to do. There's so much more for us to do as Christians than what we're getting up to now. Yeah. 
come on, let's die <laughs> this Easter. Let's die with Jesus. I think it was Paul in uh, ooh, Galatians, Galatians 2. He declared, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. What can that do for us? I want to have one more thought from this passage. Um, Lynn, there's a, a final picture of Jesus on the donkey. It's like out of green, that's it. He's on his own there. <coughs> Sometimes our job, quite often I think, our job will be to be the donkey. <coughs> that Jesus rides in on. Maybe that's our job sometimes. Just to be a donkey for Jesus, to bear him, to carry him with us, and just to ride in to situations that we come across. We don't have to be awfully clever. We don't have to be popular. We don't even have to be good looking. <laughs> We just have to be a donkey and carry Jesus into a situation. Maybe Jesus wants to heal someone. Yes, that could involve you. Yes, it can, because we have his authority. Or maybe Jesus wants to bind up a heartbroken one. Be the donkey for him. We need to serve him and quietly be there, be his donkey. So I want us to pray, pray together now. Can I get you to stand up, just to shake ourselves a bit? Shake it up. Give yourselves a bit of a stretch and a wakey-wakey time. Do you remember I talked about Lazarus a little bit when Jesus called him out of that tomb? Are you hearing a call from Jesus to come out of some darkness? Jesus called Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Do you hear his call on your life? Is he calling your name? Come out of fear. In Jesus' name. Come out of shame. Come out of the shame that others dumped you in. Some of you are hearing a call from Jesus, calling your name and saying, come out of sin. <coughs> That's your tomb. Come back to life. Come out of the dark. Come out to Jesus. Come out of the cold and dark Jesus isn't. Come out. 
Be bold, be brave. Walk out. Walk out now in Jesus' name. He is there outside your tomb. Stay with him. He knows your name. He's called you. He's called you out of that tomb. He's called you out of that darkness. Stay with him. We thank you, Jesus. He's died for us. And some of us are being called to death with Jesus, as Paul called it, being crucified with Jesus. Father, teach us more about that. Teach us more about how to be crucified with Christ. Perhaps this Easter, you can really think about how we are to die with Jesus. Do we dare to think that way? Can we dare to think that way, that we can be crucified with him? Ask him this Easter. What needs to die in me, Jesus? I want to be with you.